Blog Talk Radio. with Dr. Jackson about my paternal line and 
uh, how that family transitioned from enslavement to freedom during the Reconstruction period and into the early 1900s. And that's where I first learned about Harriet. And it was um, really incredible for me because I did not have a lot of information about my father's father's line. I, I have been conducting family history since the early 2000s, uh, inspired by all the usual suspects, and um, I dug into nearly every line but that line. It was a, a bit of a mystery for me, and uh, you know, very fortunately, genetic genealogy led me to to uncover that line and then to get into more information. So, um, what I had learned was Harriet. Riggs was really the um, the matron, the grand matron of the family. And so as the grand matron, many of these various lines descended from her. Uh, her partner or her husband, we don't know who the father was of many of her children. Um, however, Dr. Jackson had uncovered some crit- critical information about Harriet's uh, former enslaver. And uh, what he had discovered was that it was a, um, a man named James Donaldson. And so um, from that, he, he kind of enticed me with a story that he had seen a document somewhere that had some information about Harriet being sold on the courthouse steps and her family. And that just, you know, it was like a lightning bolt through me. I just had to, I had to understand where, you know, what that moment was and see if I couldn't track down that original document myself. So I spent about a year conducting extensive research of my own, um, including traditional and genetic genealogy on the Riggs' family and the Parrish family. And then only recently in the last several months that I finally find that document. And from there it was a new rabbit hole that led me to several discoveries about Harriet's life and the life of her family um, prior to emancipation. So it really broke down a a brick wall. So how did it feel to find the record of the estate sale of uh, James Donaldson? Well, it was um, emotional. (laughs) There's a lot of emotional labor and toil in family history research. I, you know, I cried <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. um, I felt overwhelmed. I felt a mixture of emotions, both grief, sadness, um, elation, excitement. And um, it's weird. It's like, okay, so I saw the document. I read it quickly and then I walked away from it. And I came back an hour later and I read it again and again and again. And I started to realize there was a lot of information in there that I didn't understand. And I needed to track these clues down. Um, I would love to read the, 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 the document to you and to the listeners. It's, it's, it's brief, but it, you know, it, it oh, shares a lot of interesting clues. Great. Okay. So here's the, uh, the document that I found in the courthouse records of Bullock County uh, through uh, an in-depth search on family uh, search. To account of a sale held on the 6th day of April 1847 before the courthouse door in Bullock County by Dicey McKell, the administrator on the estate of James Donaldson deceased. Harriet, a woman, plus Susan, a child, sold to Thomas Neville for $707. Isaac, a boy, 
sold to Thomas Neville for $423. Peter Aboy sold to Zachariah Bennett for $450. Daniel Aboy sold to Thomas Neville for $421. And then there were various sales of uh, Pineland in the estate of James Donaldson, signed by Dicey McHale, administrator of the estate of James Donaldson, deceased. So that was the um, <laughs> that was the the estate sale document, and it led to a lot of questions. Immediately, I was like, "Well, who who is Dyson Mickle?" You know, and I said, "Well, this has got to be James Donaldson's widow." And as I began to research into Dyson Mickle, I realized that um, she actually, um, or James Donaldson was her first husband. Dyson Mickle was her second husband, and so she she was an administrator on James Donaldson's estate. And um, in 1847 she then um, basically had sold her enslaved, um, this enslaved family that, that clearly lived with her that was in the estate of James Donaldson. I found out that her maiden name was Neville. And I was like, whoa, it's Neville. And then I looked back at the document and I realized, here it is, Thomas Neville purchased her mm-hmm. three of her children. And through that research, I learned that Thomas Neville was Dicey's brother. In, in researching the Neville family, I learned that they originally came from North Carolina, um, a place called Beaumont on Neville's Creek. After the revolution, they moved to Georgia on a land grant. Um, John Neville was the, sort of the family scion of that time, and he had a son named Jacob. And Jacob had several children. Dicey and Thomas were among them. So my question was, was how did Harriet, you know, get into James Donaldson's estate? Was Harriet purchased, you know, and her family purchased? Was she the daughter of another enslaved woman on James Donaldson's estate? So I researched Donaldson's estate and found out that his father was a slaveholder. And so I thought perhaps James inherited Harriet. So if Thomas Neville purchased Harriet and her family, you know, why did they stay with Dicey and not go to Thomas is another question I had. Um, at that point, you know, I was sort of had a lot of different research questions, and sometimes what I do is I step back and try to come at it from a different angle. So on a hunch, I used Ancestry to search for DNA cousins related to the Mickles, um, the Nevilles, and then also the Riggs, who, um, which is the last name of that, that surname that Harriet took. And I found a direct hit on the Neville line. So using ancestry through lines, I began to hypothesize potential relationships, and it really quickly became clear that Jacob Neville was Harriet's biological father. So Harriet did not actually come from James Donald. Yeah, it was like, whoa, okay, so I had just uncovered a major um, fact that, you know, supported by genetic genealogy that showed, you know, that Harriet, in fact, came from the Neville estate in some way. And I realized, okay, Harriet and her children were dower slaves. They were given by Jacob Neville to his son-in-law, James Donaldson, in 1813 when James married Dicey. And, of course, I also realized that that meant Thomas and Dicey were half-siblings. And um, so that was that was. You know, it was like just little bombshells going off and, and, and just continuing to drive my, my um, uh, interest in continuing to research both the Neville family, you know, and uh, how Harriet sort of seemed to be trans, you know, um, taken through um, multiple enslavers through Dicey's various marriages. 
Dicey was married three times, and her last marriage was to a man named Abraham Riggs. And Abraham Riggs married Dicey in 1849. And, of course, my surname is Riggs. And it's now, you know, possible to sort of begin to theorize, you know, where that surname came from because she lived on the Riggs plantation before emancipation. What's interesting is that Thomas Neville, even though he legally owned uh, Harriet and her children, he let Dicey, you know, continue to keep them enslaved on the Riggs plantation. Um, so very, you know, that was a, an interesting thought. Um, you know, what I, what I realized was that, so Harriet's several enslavers, you know, included her first biological father, Jacob Neville, then perhaps sister, Dicey, then her half-sister's husband, James Donaldson, then her half-brother, Thomas Neville, and then, of course, you know, Abraham Riggs. Now, legally, she is a part of just three of those estates, but that's, you know, a lifetime's worth of enslavers, you know, controlling how Harriet and her family lived, where they lived, what they did, how they managed their lives. You know, it just must have been, I don't know, a uh, a terribly difficult life full of change and suffering, you know, and a constant sense of upheaval, um, even though, of course, all this took place in one town in Statesboro, um, Georgia. So, well, you know, I can understand when you read your document how you read it and had to walk away and cry. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I could could just feel that. But you also mentioned another record, and that's the labor contract. So tell us briefly about this labor contract before we close out. Sure thing. So um, my questions were basically what happened after emancipation. Why did she keep her name Riggs? Was she ever reunited with her child, Peter? Um, Basically, Peter was sold to Zachariah Bennett and her other children were sold to Thomas Neville. Uh, I searched through the Freedmen's Bureau to try to find labor contracts. And in the Savannah Bureau, I found a contract that basically listed out an agreement between Harriet and her son, uh, Isaac, her son, Peter, um, and several other people with Abraham Riggs in 1866. And basically for each of them to receive, you know, a few dollars per month, you know, clothes and food to basically continue working on the plantation. And then ultimately a few years later, Harriet died in 1874. And um, her children got married. They all bought land. They began to start their own families and they thrived in their own way. In fact, um, one of her children, um, Isaac and her other son, Daniel, founded the Willow School, which was a, the, a colored school there in, in the county, which lasted 100 years, which is pretty remarkable. Um, so at the end, you know, that document um, really began to show the, her life after emancipation and showed, you know, the transition that allowed her and her family to get on their feet um, during Reconstruction. And I'm internally thankful for Dr. Jackson's 30-plus years of research and also a lawyer named David Beasley, who during General Sherman's march to the sea, where he burned towns and courthouses along the way, including the Bullock County Courthouse, David Beasley knew about General Sherman's march and went to the courthouse and took all the records and hid them on his property. And so many people were, are, um, and many family historians are um, uh, 
basically uh, tragically um, have their records were destroyed, you know, if they had ancestors in the low country of Georgia. But um, fortunately, Bullock County's records survived. Well, I am just so happy that you were able to share with us your story of finding Harriet Riggs before the courthouse door. And for those of you who are listening, please check out this wonderful blog, struggleandprogress.com. You'll learn more about the Riggs family and even more about other blogs that Joel has posted. So thank you so much, Joe, for sharing before the courthouse door, finding Harriet Riggs. Have a great day. Thank you very much.